Hi, this is Life Coach David. Welcome to the Law of Attraction podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed your last few days. I was going to continue with reading the book, Excuse Me, Your Life is Waiting, the very next day, but I just got caught up with too many coaching calls and other things that happened. But here I am again, looking forward to doing this podcast for you. And I really hope that anyone who's listening gets a lot out of it and how you can live your life from a law of attraction point of view, which is so important since the law of attraction is always responding to you, always. So why not be aware of how it's doing that so you could have it work in your favor? And last night, I went to a wonderful 90th birthday party and it was really nice to celebrate for someone in that way and the cake was really good they had a chocolate cake filled with cannoli cream and i don't know about you but i love cannoli cream and even just having that on its own i was like wow talk about vibration raising food that was really good and i just felt so good after that because i enjoyed it so much and that was a fun experience and if anybody's interested in law of attraction coaching You can go to lifecoachdavid.com and you can contact me through there or you could just email me david at lifecoachdavid.com and also if you have a question you would like answered for the podcast, you can email me through there as well and just put in the subject line question for podcast. So now I want to get right back into reading from Excuse Me Your Life is Waiting and the author is Lynn Grabhorn and I read this book many years ago and at the time it really helped me understand the law of attraction in a deeper way in a better way and Lynn isn't is not alive anymore but uh, her book still is and I will continue reading it and let's see what we talk about today so this section is called we were taught backwards most of us haven't a clue how we got what we get in life First, there's that long list of things we want and never get, nor ever hope to get. Then there's that even longer list of all the things we don't want, yet seem to get more of with disheartening regularity. No one's to blame for this ceaseless dream busting. We were just taught backwards. Probably the most destructive thing we've been taught is that life is born of a series of circumstances served up to us on this gigantic platter called potluck, or fate, starting always with the parents we were born to and the environment in which we grew up. If we were born rich, we got a lucky draw. If we were born poor, struggle will be our more common destiny. If we found happiness, it was by the cherished touch of Lady Luck. If some drunken idiot crashed into us on the freeway, it was rotten fate. We've been taught that we gain only as we labor, that action is the magic word. Do, 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 work, 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 strive, sweat, toil, and then if our luck holds, we just might come out ahead. We've been taught by loving, misguided elders to be cautious and guarded. Don't climb the tree, honey, or you'll fall. Don't wear that silly thing or people will laugh. Don't forget to lock your doors or you'll be robbed. We've become such a defensive species, our entire lives revolve around fearful credos of be careful, be cautious, be safe and secure. 
Heaven forbid we should ever let that guard down. But the greatest obstacle to living our potential comes from toddler days, when we were trained to look for what's wrong with everything, with our jobs, our cars, our relationships, our clothes, our shapes, our health, our freeways, our planet, our faith, our entertainment, our children, our government, even our friends. Yet most of the world can't even agree about what's what right or wrong is. So we war and strike and demonstrate and make laws and go to psychiatrists. That's life, you say. We have to take the good with the bad, the ups with the downs. We have to be on guard, work hard, do things right. Be watchful and hope for a break. Yes, that's the way life is. No, no, no. That is simply not the way real life is. And it's time we face up to how we actually do create what we have in our world, our empty or full bank accounts, our grand or boring jobs, our good fortune or bad, and everything else in this arena we so nonchalantly call reality. How do we do it? Don't laugh. It all comes from how we're vibrating. Look, Ma, I'm vibrating. Everything in this world is made of energy. You, me, the rock, the table, the blades of grass. And since energy is actually vibration, that means that everything that exists vibrates. Everything, including you and me. Modern day physicists have finally come to agree that energy and matter are one and the same. Which brings us back to where we started, that everything vibrates because everything, whether you can see it or not, is energy. Pure, pulsing, ever-flowing energy. But even though there's only one energy, it vibrates differently. Just like the sound that pours out of a musical instrument, some energy vibrates fast, such as high notes from high frequencies, and some vibrate slow, such as low notes from low frequencies. Unlike the tones from a musical instrument, however, the energy that flows out from us comes from our highly charged emotions to create highly charged electromagnetic wave patterns of energy, making us powerful but volatile, walking magnets. That's nice, but who cares? Well, if you want to know why you've had to struggle so hard with your life, you do. If you want to know how to change your life to be exactly the way you want it to be, you had darn well better care because the electromagnetic vibrations you send out every split second of every day are what have brought and are continuing to bring everything into your life, big or small, good or bad, everything, no exceptions. Now that's a big thing to get, right? Now this is just me talking, <laughs> I'm not reading from the book right now, that what we're sending out vibrationally is controlling everything, everything that we attract. And she's saying no exceptions. So that's total law of attraction. And once we take responsibility for that and kind of realize that that is true, it's kind of a big relief because then I can control. I know how and I know I can control the vibration that I'm putting out based on how I think about things. And to me, now on the other side of things, and what I mean by that, by practicing and doing this for so many years, I can now say it actually is a relief to know that. Now in the beginning, especially when I start working with a new client, 
obviously it can seem very overwhelming. You know, a lot of times a client will say to me, I mean, I have to be aware all the time of what I'm thinking about and all the time how good or not good I'm feeling. And I'm, you know, ultimately, yes. And it, it does seem very daunting at first. But as time goes on and, you know, when you learn different processes and, and different ideas and you put them into practice, it doesn't seem like a big task. It actually feels good the more you take control of how good you feel, the more you take control of what you're deliberately thinking about. So I agree, and it's wonderful that she phrased it in that way. So now I'm going to get back to the book, and this next section is called From No Commissions to No Commissions. Central California is a mecca for those who love to sell land. Cattle ranches, vineyards, resorts, residential developments, dairy farms, planned communities. If you have the know-how and patience to bring a deal to the table where all parties are panting to sign, you can make a fortune from the gargantuan commissions. Tom was an acquaintance of mine who did just that with outrageous regularity. He was a real estate broker in his mid-40s, we were about the same age, and an acknowledged pro with commercial land sales. I had just sold another business in Los Angeles and moved to the Central Coast with no idea of what to do next until I met Tom. Within a few months, I acquired my real estate license and began my apprenticeship in earnest under Tom's masterful tutelage in his well-known real estate office. Since my sales would flatten his pocket as well as mine, he took the time to teach me well. We'd spend long hours poring over comparisons of grape harvest, soil tests, and potential feed yields of various land segments that would be capable of sustaining X number of cattle. Considering the closest I had ever been to a cow or cattle was store-bought milk and steak, <laughs> and that while I had once been a hearty drinker, what I knew about wines would fit on a pinhead. I found the instruction fascinating. Tom worked with me for months before allowing me to get my feet wet. While I was learning about this new world, I was also developing a plan to market Central California lands to offshore buyers. By the time I had finished the first phase of my apprenticeship, I had formed the specialized real estate firm of Western Lands USA along with a marketing concept that was so flawless, I wondered why no one else had thought of it before me. That's where I made my first mistake. My plan was so easy, so foolproof, so ready and ripe to produce huge sales, I just knew there had to be something wrong with it. It was too good. It would all happen too fast. Someone would steal it. In fact, it was so good, it flat out spooked me. Finally, the day came. I was out showing my first chunk of land, a large ranch overlooking the magnificent coastline of Big Sur, California. Not only was the price well into the millions, but the commission would be far more than I had made collectively during my entire working life. In a few weeks, buyer and seller agreed. I had a sale and went into instant panic. Tom was pleased. Everybody was pleased. I was terrified. And the closer we got to closing, the more paranoid I became. It was all too good to be true, too easy, too incredible. My stomach churned like a packed washing machine. Tom poo-pooed my fears by telling me how proud he was of me and that he never had seen such a clean, uncomplicated deal. But I was a nervous wreck. It was too unreal. It would never happen. And it didn't. 
On the day, the day, the big sale was to close, the buyer found legal cause to back out. My worst fears had come to pass. Twice more that happened until I finally told Tom I just couldn't handle the pressure and stress of these big commissions closings that came down to the wire, but never happened. All he ever said was, sweetie, you blew him away with your fears. You gotta feel those tender little suckers close. Feel yourself shaking everybody's hand and feel yourself out there celebrating. You gotta know it's going to work, honey, or trust me, it never will. If you can't feel it happening, it won't. I didn't have a clue what he was talking about. After the first sale bomb, I had immersed myself in all the best-selling books on positive thinking and had to get rich quick. But then two more sales blew up in my face that were also within days and hours of closing. I decided this potential fantasy land was not for me and opted to open a mortgage company which had considerably less apprehension involved. It wasn't until years later when I finally gotten involved with the law of attraction that I realized what Tom meant. Without even realizing what he was doing, Tom had learned to command energy to his advantage. Instinctively, he knew that closing deals meant more than just thinking big, thinking positive, or making good contracts. Tom, like Jesse, somehow knew you had to feel your desires into being. Amen, right? Now, this is just me talking. And that's amazing that Tom didn't even know about the law of attraction. He just instinctively felt his way about the thing, the properties would close and how good it would feel. And it worked out for him. And she didn't know about that. And she was so caught up in her fear and anxiety about the whole thing that the deals never closed because she was blocking it from happening with all that resistance. Very interesting. So now I will continue back to the book. This section is called Tuning Forks and the Law of Attraction. Way back in the 30s, a couple of guys in the Orient were attempting to prove that thoughts were real things and that different kinds of thoughts create different kinds of vibrations. So they, they decided to see if they could actually photograph vibrations of thought. And by golly, they did. Right through steel walls, an experience that's been replicated many times since. But they also proved something else, perhaps even more important, they found that the more emotion the thinker-sender charged with his thoughts, the clearer the picture turned out to be. These fellows were possibly the first to prove that there is magnetic energy attached to our thoughts, and that thought is propelled by our emotions. What they missed, though, is that because the vibrational waves, the emotions we send out, are magnetically charged, we are literally, literally walking magnets constantly pulling back into our world anything that just happens to be playing on the same frequency or wavelength. For instance, when we're feeling up, filled with joy and gratitude, our emotions are sending out high-frequency vibrations that will magnetize only good stuff back to us, meaning anything with the same high vibratory frequency that matches what we're sending out. Like attracts like. On the other hand, when we're experiencing anything that joy isn't, such as fear, worry, guilt, or even mild concern, those emotions are sending out low-frequency vibrations. Since low frequencies are every bit as magnetic as high frequencies, 
they're going to attract only cruddy stuff back to us, meaning anything of that same low frequency that will cause us to feel and vibrate as lousy as what we're sending out. Cruddy out, cruddy back. It's always a vibrational match. So whether it's high vibrational joy or low vibrational worry, what we're vibrationally offering in any moment is what we're attracting back. We are the initiators of the vibrations, therefore the magnets and the cause. Like it or not, we have created and are creating it all. We may be flesh and blood, but first and foremost we are energy, magnetic energy at that, which makes us living, breathing magnets. Don't you love it? You may think you're president of a Fortune 500 company or a mother and wife or a valedictorian of your class or an airline mechanic, but what you really are is a walking magnet. Ah, little did you know. Crazy as that may sound, it's high time we woke up to the fact that we are electromagnetic beings tripping around with this mind-boggling capacity to magnetize into our lives whatever in the world we desire by controlling the feeling that comes from our thoughts. But, because we exist on this planet in a predominantly low-frequency field of energy born of over 6 billion people who are vibrating more feelings of stress and fearfulness than joy, we involuntarily take in those vibrations and react to them which means that until we consciously learn to override the pervasive low frequencies in which we exist, we will keep recycling unpleasant outcomes into our lives day after tiresome day. Just like swimming in salt water, if we don't wash the residue off, sooner or later it's going to make us mightily uncomfortable. There's just no way around it. The way we feel is what we attract. And more often than not, those feelings come from our thoughts, setting up the instantaneous electromagnetic chain reactions that ultimately cause things to happen, to be created, to be withheld, or to be, or to be destroyed, like my big commissions. So, once again, our feelings go out from us in electromagnetic ways. Whatever frequency goes out will automatically attract its identical frequency thus causing things to happen, good or bad, by finding their match vibrations. Happy high vibrations attract happy high vibrational circumstances. Yucky low vibrations attract yucky low vibrational circumstances. In both cases, what comes back causes us to feel just as high or low as what we had been transmitting or feeling, because it's an exact vibrational match to what we sent out. It's the same principle as a tuning fork. Ding a tuning fork in a room filled with all different kinds of tuning forks calibrated to various pitches and only the ones calibrated to the same frequency as the one you just dinged will ding too, even if they're way across the astrodome. Like forces attract. It's a classic rule of physics. Wow, and that's where I'm gonna stop reading for today. But again, that is so true, and I just resonate with that so much, that what we're putting out vibrationally is what we're setting ourselves to attract back. You know, it goes back to that like energy attracts like energy definition. And a lot of times I ask people what they think the law of attraction is, 
And even if they say like energy attracts like energy, I always ask them, well, what does that really mean though? Like what's underneath that? And most of the time people don't know about that what you send out vibrationally is what you're attracting to you. And that's why it's so important to know how to work with the law of attraction and even to be coached by a law of attraction life coach because you'll get the tools, the processes, and the ideas necessary to deliberately, deliberately, that's the key, to deliberately keep yourself vibrating at a high vibration so that you're setting yourself up to attract high vibration experiences and circumstances so you can attract more of what you want and live a happier life. I know that was super helpful to me, what I read today, and I hope it was to you. And if you're interested in any Law of Attraction coaching, you can contact me at lifecoachdavid.com or even at david at lifecoachdavid.com. And I hope you have a high vibration day. Thanks for listening and think about what I was reading about today and how you can apply it in your life. And have a great day, and I'll be back tomorrow continuing to read from Excuse Me, Your Life is Waiting.